Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament passage of Judges. Judges in chapter number 15. We've been in a series since the beginning of the year that we've in, uh, of the period of the Judges. And during this time, we've taken the book of Judges, Joshua, Ruth, and 1 Samuel. And we've placed them in a chronological order or the order that they occurred in history. And we've taking our time to walk through the victorious times of Joshua. And we've gone through the times of defeat through the period of the judges. And now we're just a few messages remaining in this series. We're finishing it up and we're watching as the lives of Samuel and Samson are intermingling and they're affecting each other. We've been bouncing back and forth as they both uh, were born because of proclamations. Both of them took the vow of the Nazarite. Whereas Samuel spent his life preaching and proclaiming the word of God, Samson was the resident strong man, and he's the one who's physically going to deliver the children of Israel from the oppression of the Philistines. Remember, the Philistines are the bad guys here. They've been oppressing the children of Israel for many, many, many years. And now God is using Samson in a way that we probably wouldn't have chosen, in a way that probably doesn't necessarily make sense, but God is able to use the base things to confound the wise. We explained that this morning in a special message, but God is able to do things that doesn't make sense to us to still get across God's good and perfect and acceptable will. And so if you don't mind, we find ourselves in mid-story of what is occurring in Samson's life, and we find our way in the book of Judges chapter number 15. Judges chapter 15 And if you don't mind, let's look starting at verse number one. Judges 15 and verse number one, the word of God says this. But it came to pass within a while after in the time of wheat harvest that Samson visited his wife with a kid. And he said, I will go into my wife into the chamber. But her father would not suffer him to go in. And her father said, I verily thought that thou hast utterly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. And Samson said concerning them, Now I should be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. And Samson went and caught three hundred foxes and took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. And when he had set the bands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burn up both the stalks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and the and olives. Then the Philistines said, who had done this? And they answered Samson, the son-in-law of the Timonite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with fire. And Samson said unto them, though ye have done this, yet will I be avenged of you after that 
I will cease. And he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. And he went down and dwelt at the top of the rock Idom. And the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why are you come up against us? And they answered, To bind Samson are we come up, to do to him as he hath done to us. Then three thousand men of Judah went to the top of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is this that thou hast done unto us? And he said unto them, As they did unto me, so I have done unto them. And they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee, that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves. And they spake unto him, saying, No, but we will bind thee fast, and deliver thee into their hand. But surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords, and brought him down from the rock. And when he had come into Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms become as flax that was burnt with fire, and his bands loosed off of his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass, and took forth his hand, and took it, and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jaw of an ass, have I slain a thousand men. And it came to pass, when he made an end of speaking, that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand, and called the place Ramoth Lehi. And he was sore athirst, and called on the Lord, and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst, and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? But God clave an hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he was revived. Wherefore he called the name thereof um, Enichor, which is in Lehi unto this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines twenty years. And with this, we're going to cover what we call in this passage, Samson's Exploits. Samson's exploits. As we go through this, we're going to see the different things that Samson does as he is literally being a thorn in the side of the Philistines. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come up to you, we thank you again for the great privilege to be here tonight. We thank you for the victories we've been seeing lately and we're anticipating even more victories occurring. As we come up to you, I'm asking that there would be a seriousness and a somberness as we approach your scriptures. That as we see the exciting things going on in this story, we'd still see the God behind the circumstances and see that you are a great God who does so much for us. Lord, once again, I just need your help. I ask that you fill me with your precious spirit, that you could get your own work accomplished once again this evening. Thank you for again for being a great God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we've already covered some of the life of Samson before. If you remember, he went down with his parents and he saw a girl in the Philistines and said, Get her, for she pleaseth me well. 
And the parents, of course, try to talk him out of it. No, no, no. Why can't you marry a nice Jewish girl? Why do you have to go uh, marry an uncircumcised Philistine? Why do you have to go over there? Why can't you marry one of us? And he says, no, no, no. And they didn't understand that God was going to use this to bring deliverance. And we explain that as you go through this story, you could see Samson is not a happy man. That God is using the sorrow and the brokenheartedness of someone else to bring freedom to another person. And of course, isn't that what Jesus Christ did for us? That out of his brokenheartedness, God gave us deliverance. He gave us freedom. And it wouldn't be the way that we planned. It wouldn't have been the way that we said how it's going to deliver. But it's something that God had in mind. And, of course, God's ways are much more above our ways. Who can know it? Well, remember that he did ha- marry this girl. They had a wedding ceremony. And he had a riddle. The guys came up to him and said, hey, let's, uh, let's make a riddle. You know, they jarred him and, and they had a conversation. And he said, all right, fine, I'll put a riddle. And what will happen is that you uh, 30 guys will put up a change of clothes and a sheet. And uh, if I win, you guys all give me stuff. But if you guys win, I'll deliver 30 sheets to you guys. And so he put a riddle uh, forth and they couldn't figure it out. Finally, they went to his brand new wife and they said, listen here, if you don't get him to tell us the answer, we're going to burn you and your father. We're going to burn you with fire and we're going to kill you both. So this poor lady is married to Samson on her week long, um, basically honeymoon, their celebration they're having. And she gets cornered and says, we're going to kill you unless you get Samson to tell us the answer to the riddle. That poor girl. And so she begged him and cried and weeped and nagged and everything till finally he gave in and said, all right, fine. And um, he told her the answer. She told the other people they came and told Samson the answer. Samson said, hey, The only reason why you knew this is because you talked to my heifer. Again, we reminded you that men, it's not wise if you call your wife a heifer. It just doesn't translate the same way in today's society. And so he was used of God. It's an emotional thing. But he went down to the next city, killed 30 Philistines, took their clothes and said, fine, here you go. And he took off. He went somewhere else. Now, finally, he comes back. He hasn't been with his wife since the wedding ceremony. He's been upset. Uh, Some period of time has passed. And now he says, you know what? I'm married. I might as well go see my wife again. Well, that's where things start falling apart once again. The first thing we want to see in Samson's exploits here is the events with the foxes. The events with the foxes. So Samson comes back. And verse number one, and but it came to pass within a while after the time of wheat harvest that Samson visited his wife with a kid. This is not a baby kid. This is a goat. And so he's coming. He says, let's make a peace offering. Let's uh, let's uh, make up. And again, this probably wouldn't translate. Guys, if you want to get in back in good graces with your wife, go with flowers, not a goat. They're probably better off. But back In this day, this was probably acceptable. And so he comes with a goat and says, all right, I'm going to tell her how much I missed her and how much I'm sorry. And I shouldn't have gotten mad. And he he goes to deliver the goat. 
And he said, I will go into my wife, into the chamber. But her father would not suffer him to come in. You can almost imagine he knocks on the door. Daddy dearest opens up and says, oh, it's you. Well, I want to go see my wife. No. (laughs) What do you mean? No, she's my wife. What's going on? Verse two. And her father said, I verily thought that thou hatest her. Therefore, I gave her away to thy companion. Basically, hey, I thought you hated her. I figured the uh, marriage was annulled. She's married to someone else. Well, that's not going to make Samson happy. He's already an emotional guy. If you haven't figured that out, he's emotional. So um, her dad tries to calm him down. I wouldn't want to get Samson mad either. And he goes, is not her younger sister fairer than her? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. He says, Here, her younger sister's not married. She's prettier. Here, take her. Samson says, no. So verse 3. And Samson said concerning them, now I should be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. He says, basically, what I'm about to do, I'm justified. Those Philistines want to play this way? Fine, we'll play. So what he does, verse number four, Samson went and caught 300 foxes. Now, we read this black and white, but you understand, it's not easy to catch a fox. And he caught 300 of them. I meant, can you imagine trying to corral those critters and where are you putting them and what happens when you open the cage and they all trying to get, I mean, there's logistics to this, but he went and caught 300 of them. Then notice what he does. And Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took firebrands. Basically, this is a big um, stick that's going to allow uh, ease to catch on fire. Then what does he do? And turn tail to tail and put the firebrand in the midst of two tails. So what he did, again, uh, the PETA people wouldn't be very happy with this passage. But what he does is he takes two foxes. He ties their tails together with this big fire stick in between them. And then what he's going to do after he ties... Again, think of the logistics of this. The foxes are not docile, domesticated creatures. And they're not going to appreciate their tails being tied. So again, he's got to hold one down and the other one down somehow and then tie the tail and whatever he does. I mean, there's logistics to this. Can you, when you get to heaven or the Millennium Kingdom, check out the DVD and I want to see what, how it looked out, right? But he ties the tails together. Then he, of 300 of them, so he's got 150 pair, he lights all those sticks on fire, then he aims them to the crops of the Philistines, and with, with um, fire going behind the foxes, they're not walking, they're running from the fire that's burning behind him, and they can't get away from it. And they start taking off all throughout the fields. And they're just running. Notice what occurs. Verse 5. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burnt up both the shocks and the standing corn and the vineyards and the olives. Basically, he just burnt down all of their crops in the area. Just let the foxes go. Remember, he's thinking, well, I... I'm blameless. They deserve this. They want to treat me this way? Fine. Get away with it. I don't know if that would stand up in a court of law, but it's justified in his own mind. And so he lets him go and he burns down the whole thing. So once again, they get the CSI people out. Verse number six. Uh, that's a private joke that we've already done a couple times here. But And the Philistines said, who had done this? They're investigating. 
Who set this thing on fire? They're investigating. They got the fire marshals out. They're trying to figure out clues. They asked for the witnesses. And they answered Samson, the son-in-law of the Timonite, because he had taken his wife and given her to the companion. So they investigate. Who did this? Samson. Why did he do this? Well, because he was married to a girl and then uh, something happened and the father married her off to someone else and he got mad. So instead of going after Samson, they go and grab the daddy, grab the daughter, and the Philistines came and burnt her and the father with fire. That girl just had no chance whatsoever being married to Samson. And so the same thing they feared was going to happen in the previous chapter happened. So now they burnt his wife. You think Samson's going to enjoy that? No. Verse 7. And Samson said unto them, Though you have done this, yet will I be avenged of you. After that I will cease. He says, we're not even now. You went ahead and one-upped it. Now I've got to catch you back up. Now that's not a good way to live life. We're just going through the period of the judges, which is already a chaotic time where people are doing what's right in his own eyes. We've got Samson, who's a very emotional guy. And again, we're not condoning. We're just acknowledging that God is using this very emotional guy to, to do a one-man warfare against all of the Philistines. And he says, all right, fine. I got to get even with them once again. So let's do something. Verse number eight. And he smote them, the Philistines who killed his wife and Daddy dearest, and he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter, and he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock of Edom. So he went down and just started putting a mass slaughter, killed everyone, says, all right, I'm going somewhere else. And he goes to a rock fortress called Edom. So we see here the events with the foxes. Now the Philistines are ready to declare war on Samson. And we see here the events with the bands, the events with the bands. Verse number nine. And the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. And the men of Judah said, why are you come up against us? And they answered to bind Samson. Are we come up to do to him as he had done to us? So what they do is they bring their army to Judah and Judah sees this big Philistine army and they all start getting afraid and said, oh, no, why are you here? We haven't done anything. We've tried to do. We're good people. Please. We've done what you asked. And they said, we're here for Samson. And they convinced the people of Judah to go up there and to tie Samson and to bring him down to the Philistines. So we see them going up to the rock. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse number 11, then 3000 men of Judah they were pretty afraid of Samson if they sent 3,000 guys to go talk him down. Now, I want to also remind you that despite the drawings of Samson, Samson did not look like a bodybuilder. He was not this big hunk. He was not the, uh, the, the, uh, the muscle upon muscles and muscles upon those muscles. He looked like a normal guy. The reason why I say that is because when Delilah was asking where do you get your power from? If he was all muscular, they would know where the power was. They're saying, how does an ordinary guy like you, where does your strength come from? Where is it at? Well, his strength came from the Lord. But they couldn't figure it out. They didn't know where it was at. But he had built such a reputation from this time that the, uh, they had 3,000 people from Judah go up. 
please don't kill us, Mr. Samson. We've just come up. We just want to talk with you, please. We're on your side. They come up and start talking to Samson. Verse number 11. Then 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of the rock of Adam and said to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is this that thou hast done to us? And he said unto them, as they did unto me, so I've done unto them. Again, he's got this mentality. Well, they started it and I just finished it. Again, it doesn't work in our society, but he is an emotional young man. Verse number 12. And they said unto him, we are come to bind thee, that we may deliver thee to the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves. And they spake unto him, saying, no, but we will bind thee fast and deliver them into thy hand. But surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him from the rock. So the people of Judah, 3,000 of them come up and they said, here, we just made a deal with the Philistines. They won't kill us if we just deliver you out. So please, you don't kill us. Let us bring you to them. He says, as long as you promise that you won't kill me yourselves. They said, no, no, no. We're just going to, we just want to make the Philistines happy. He says, all right. So they tie him up with brand new rope. They bring him down. And <coughs> verse number 14 and we see this last segment that I want to see here. The events with the jawbone. The events with the jawbone. So he comes down off the mountain, verse 14. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. This carries the idea that they were going, oh yeah, this is that big tough guy. He don't look so tough now. He's all tied up. Again, anyone's tough when you got the prisoner all tied up and they're jeering at him and laughing. What is this it? Well, that was until he just... Snapped the cords and said, oh, yeah, well, I'm here. Verse number 14. And when he had said to uh, came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him and the spirit of the Lord uh, came mightily upon him. And the cords that were upon his arms become as flax that was burnt with fire. That's a nice poetical way of saying, man, those were like nothing. It was like paper. It's like when you tie up a kid with little straw packages, you know, just <laughs> nothing whatsoever. And that were on his arms became flax that was burnt with fire and his bands were loosed off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. Now, again, we see the, the uh, black and white. There's logistics to this. He found a new jawbone of an ass, meaning there was a donkey that just died nearby. He just rips the jaw off. And that's his weapon. It's not a knife. It's not a dagger. By the way, it's not a very stable weapon. And it's not a very comfortable weapon. You think about holding a jawbone. I mean, where do you grab it at? I mean, do you grab like one side of the jaw and slay people with the other side of the jaw? And you do that to kill a thousand people? Now, again, going through logistics, what would happen if it took one minute to kill one person? That's a thousand minute battle. That's a long time, by the way, for those of you mathematicians, right? A thousand divided by 60. Well, how many hours would that be? I mean, that's if he's killing one a minute. That's pretty quick. I mean, he's, he's going at it. And that's a long time. And that's not a very stable weapon. I can imagine teeth flying off of that thing. But he kills 1,000 of them. That's a pretty mean battle. And again, it wasn't him. 
I could just imagine someone. Uh, now I'm a pretty big guy. I, we don't have all the skinny people. You know, could you imagine? Uh, imagine like a brother Swalheim or maybe someone like me or something like that, going up, not big and muscular, but everyone's afraid of you, and just this thin guy just whooping the tar of a whole army, just. No problem whatsoever. It just doesn't match. Uh, Let's uh, look again. Verse 16. And Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps with the jaw of an ass, have I slain a thousand men? Now, yes, he just got through doing a whole bunch. But after that, he announces it. Look at what I did. I killed a thousand of you. Who can beat me? He's... He's excited. He's going off the high. He's bragging about what he did. Then, in verse number 17, And it came to pass, when he made an end of speaking, he cast away the jawbone out of his hand, and called the place Ramoth Lehi. Meaning, I don't need this no more. We're done. And then, he was a sore thirst. Now, remember, he's been fighting for several hours. Killing a thousand men probably makes you pretty thirsty. It wasn't like, hey, time out. Let me go get a sippy cup and let's drink something here. I meant there was no breaks. Hey, I'm hungry. Hey, let's, uh, let's go grab something to eat and we'll finish this off. I mean, this is a straight fight. They've been fighting for a while. He was a sore thirst. And he called upon the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. And now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the circumcised? So what happens? He fights this battle. He goes up and says, Yeah, I killed a thousand of them. Throws the jawbone away and then gets weak, collapses. He's thirsty. He's weak. And now he's vulnerable. He's laying on the ground. He's been so thirsty. His energy is sapped. He's saying, God, I need help. If they find me like this, I, I'm stuck. Lord, after this great battle, you don't want to see me defeated. I need help. I need help. So he calls to God to help. In verse 19, And God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came out water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he was revived. Wherefore he called the name of Enhakura, which is in Lehi unto this day. And then he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines twenty years. So we could see this time here that God came, and he made uh, from the jawbone that he just got through using a hole in it. And water flew from it. You say, how does that work naturally? It's called a miracle. It goes outside of it. It doesn't make, uh, make sense according to the science. And, but God did it as a miracle. Just to show his graciousness. To give Samson here. But may I bring your attention to a verse that we just read? Look with me once again in verse number 16. And Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of an ass, have I slain a thousand men. If you notice what happened in verse 14, the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. You see, it was God that got him the victory. And in the midst of the victory, and it was a great victory, but the victory was not Samson's. It was the Lord's. You know what we have a temptation to do in the midst of great victory? To take credit for ourselves. 
You know what sometimes happens is that we could see God answer prayer and God answer prayer and God answer prayer and God answer prayer. And what happens is that we forget to thank God for what has happened. And you know what God has to do sometimes? He has to bring a little bit of defeat, maybe a little bit of sickness, maybe something to get our attention back and say, you know what? It was God the whole time and it wasn't me. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, be therefore thankful. This is the will of God for you. You ever want to know what the will of God is for you? To be thankful. To be thankful. You know, that is something we have to work on quite often. The Bible indicates that the first step of stepping away from the Lord is not to be thankful. Not to be thankful. Do you understand that God does so much for us all the time? And the theme that we have this year is building and battling. And that our attention's not on the building, it's not on the battling, it's on the Lord. That it's Jesus that gets the victory. But sometimes even in the midst of the battles, in the midst of the victories that we have, we stop Thanking God. We need to go back to being a thankful people. Think about the victories you have. And by the way, if you're a Christian who is praying like you should, you should be seeing answers to prayer all the time. If you're a Christian and you're not seeing answers to prayer all the time, one, either you're not praying or there's something wrong, sin or something that need, that's blocking it off. But if you're a Christian who's growing in the Lord, you should be seeing answers to prayer all the time. And when God answers to prayers, we need to go back to being a thankful people. This is why we encourage people to have a prayer journal. When you have a prayer journal and you're able to cross it off, it reminds you, look at what God did. We need to do reminders. We need to do things to remind us to be a thankful people. To be a thankful people. Especially if we want the victories to continue to go on. We want God to continue to bless us. We need to be thankful for the things that he does for us. You know, we do have a great God who loves us so much. And he cares for us. And he does so much. Have you been thankful lately? Have you been a thankful person? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.